Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 7 of The Best Scott Beat. My name is Luke Hatfield, I'll be your host today. I'm joined by two people, the first one, you'll all know him very, very well, but this is a man when quizzed on his absence from the FA Cup game against Coventry, said that he was too big time, Mr Joe Massey. That's me, that's me, too big time for the FA Cup, but I also think people are going to know our second guest very well as well. Yeah, they will do, uh, and I mean... It's quite an introduction I've got planned here. Freelance journalist for BBC Sport, freelance journalist for the Press Association, Right Angle Media, Sports Beat, and the Football League paper. Someone who knows a absolute ton about Warsaw Football Club, Mr. Michael Beardmore. Good afternoon. I can't live up to that introduction whatsoever, but it's uh, very much appreciated. Thank you. Is it all right at least? <laughs> it is. My, yes, it is all right. Yes. yes. No. Um, Michael, I mean, thrilled to have you on it. Yeah, pleasure. Um, I was thinking today, you know, I'm 37 years old and this is my first podcast, so... 37 years old? That, I thought yeah, you were older. 38 next month. So, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, probably got a slightly better hairline than you still, though. Marginally, marginally. <laughs> Must be something about covering more, so Steve Mailey. <laughs> Steve, Steve Mailey, yeah. Dan Mole, <laughs> me, you, none of us are... Um, particularly uh, endowed in the locks department. I feel like before we start this podcast, I should make something clear. Me and Michael have known each other for about four years now, haven't we? We have. Um, and we've become friends. Regular travelling buddies. Regular travelling buddies. But since we've become friends, our friendship has sort of evolved into one where neither of us can say anything nice about <laughs> the other one. We regularly just abuse each other. Um, so I think that is where this podcast will probably head. So he's already started it with a low blow about the hairline. Um, but that will probably be how it continues for the next hour or so. Because we always seem to be having a pop somewhere along the line at each other. But those, those are the best kinds of friendships. They are. The ones where you can abuse yourself. They always say, a good friend will give you an umbrella. Your best friend will let you walk in the rain. In fair, there's a lot of abuse about him, so oh, I've got well. an hour to do it, so it's all good, it's all good. One, one hour of abuse between <laughs> these two guys. I'll just act as a referee, shall I? We have to um, keep our language in check, though, don't we? That's the thing, so Yeah, somewhat. The more, the, the more swear words there are, the more bleeps I have to put in, so uh-huh. if, if we can avoid swearing, that always works better in post-production. But um, anyone listening might be wondering when Mr Nathan Judah is, the regular host of The Best Scott Beat, because I hosted the pilot episode, and I've actually, actually been on since... Um, that's because Nathan Judah's taken the reins a little bit, but uh, he's gone to Thailand. I didn't even know he'd gone to Thailand, you know. Yeah, I only yeah. found out this morning when he tweeted me from, and it said he was in Thailand on the tweet. Yeah, he, he does love he does love an expensive trip. I mean, two weeks ago he was in Boston. Yeah. He took a week back in the office, and now he's in Thailand, quite quite extravagant, which uh, I'm sure we know plenty about, don't we, Joe? Thailand? No, extravagance oh, from Oh, extravagance Nathan from Nathan Judah, yeah. Well, I think this is a good opportunity, seeing as though Nathan isn't here, for people to actually get to know Nathan a little bit better. And Michael, of course. Cause Michael, do you know Nathan that well? Slightly, but not. yeah, I'm, I'm happy to learn. Happy to learn? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he is an extraordinary character, isn't he? I don't think it quite comes across just how niche and how unique Nathan Judah is. Um, is that fair? It's Luke? very. I mean, this is this is a man who is a sports journalist, but also nearly appeared on an, a, on a, a series of Big Brother. He was very close to getting on Big Brother, wasn't he? he got into like, the final. I think he was on standby. He, wasn't he was he? in a hotel. He didn't have his phone. He didn't have any forms of contact with the outside world, just in case he was ready to drop him in. And they didn't want him telling anyone in the house about what happened in the outside world. He so, is your typical Big Brother contestant, isn't he? In many ways. Yeah, he's. I mean. Pretty, pretty up there. I mean, <laughs> some of the stories. I mean, I don't know, Joe. We've discussed this off air before, but his dog has a watering bowl which is actually linked in with the plumbing. Uh, his dog is too precious to drink standard tap water, like any of us regular peasants. 
He actually yeah, that's has true. he actually has a, a dog bowl which is linked into the the plumbing which then recycles the water. So the dog always has fresh water. Um, and then if he has to check it into a kennel, which I imagine he would have having gone to Thailand, he takes it to a very special hotel, a doggy hotel called the Poor Seasons. In London, is that? Yeah, he's in London. It's in London. Oh, and when he goes down on the train, this is the, unbelievable. The dog has his own seat in first class. Nathan will only travel first class and he buys a separate first class ticket for his dog. And we have got pictures of that. Luke has got that. We'll probably put them out with the podcast. The dog, oh, yeah, we've definitely Nathan's got dog's do called that. Baloo. He's got two dogs. He's got Baloo and Stitch. But Baloo is the love of his life. On his desk, I'll show you later, he's got a picture of him and Baloo. You know, like people have pictures of their wives and kids or whatever. Nathan's got a picture of him and Baloo, and he's never looked happier. It's absolutely ridiculous. Baloo has got steps to Nathan's bed. So, did this dog get preferential treatment to the other one then? I think I think so. Well, the other one doesn't I mean, need to go in these special kennels, and the, yeah, they both they both get the same uh, treatment in that respect. I think uh, the the new one though is a puppy, quite misbehaved. I, I hear. Oh really? Is it uh, struggling quite, with it? Quite a ya- quite a yappy little puppy at the moment. But we've got some pictures here. I mean, here, here he is sat on sat on sat in first class. I mean, I, this is great for an audio podcast, by the way. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel there's a picture here with a gentleman That's sat the in picture first we'll class. Tweet. That's the picture we'll tweet. He's sat there in first class. He must be looking around wondering, what is what is going on here? This that, dog has legitimately got a ticket to sit in first class. <laughs> <laughs> that first picture is the epitome of a pampered puppy. I mean, you have to tweet that one, I think, because... Look at some of that. Oh, my God. I mean, this is sweet. Tweet that one. That's got to be that one. Yeah. Shall we just tweet all of them? Yeah. Um, I mean... Joe, have you got any other stories of Nathan Judah worth worth telling? Well, I did tweet it, um, but I do I do like telling people that he um, buys he makes special round trips to Birmingham to buy moisturizer. Because oh, yeah, I remember this. He cannot find. I don't know. I don't even know what. Do you know what brand it is? I don't know what brand it is. It's probably made of unicorn tears, something <laughs> like something like them lines. I mean, I'd probably spends about. A good fifteen hundred pounds on it every year, I'd imagine. On moisturiser, yeah. So he makes this special trip. I don't know how often he goes, but every couple of months, I'd imagine, to Birmingham just to buy moisturiser because he can't find it anywhere else. Um, which I'm someone who's never moisturised in my life. I don't know about you two. I mean, I, I've, I've got a moisturiser, but it's nothing spectacular. I pick it up from Savers right next to Tesco. <laughs> yeah, cost costs less than a pound. What about you, Michael? Do you moisturise? I've got a, I've got a little Nivea thing. I think my wife's probably bought it for me. Um, Part of a Christmas present, sort yeah. of thing. And you know, sometimes your forehead gets a bit dry, especially when you've got one as big as mine. Yeah, I'll, I'll save you the uh, <laughs> the. Uh, the trouble of saying that. Um, so I have <laughs> used it, but yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't pay. Wouldn't and pay. I wouldn't go to Birmingham. Wouldn't make a special trip. How much does that get paid? It seems a lot. Oh, he's not. No. Well, I mean, his stories of his, his tribulations in Switzerland will have. Gone. Oh, yeah. That I don't one. know if you've heard about this. He picked up well over £1,000 worth in speeding fines during the pre season tour of Switzerland. When he went to Wolves, yeah. So, uh, I think he got com- confused with kilometres kilometre an hour or miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just say this. <laughs> The Swiss government are making an absolute mint off Nathan Judah. But uh, we digress. We're, we're almost eight minutes in and we haven't talked... We're almost eight minutes in, blimey. Let's get on the football. We haven't talked about anything in Warsaw. We've just talked about Nathan Judah and his dog. All right, let's start. Um, let's catch up with some of the games we've obviously missed. So the, the, the game which... The first game would have been the Burton one, but we'll go for all the games. What I'm going to do, guys, is um, I'm going to ask you about each game. And then I'm going to get you to rate the game. So I'm going to give you a Sadler's score line. So you can give me a rating between 0 and 5 of how you felt Walsall performed on the day. Okay. Uh, just, okay. Just, just to make things a little bit snappy as well. So the first one, Walsall 1, Burton 3. Um, wasn't the best start, was it? 
You can have that one to start with, Michael. That was um, they've given away so many early penalties now in 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 recent times that I'm getting confused. But that was the one where was that Osborne? Isaiah Osborne just lunged in, and some people behind the goal I think said that he got the got the ball, but it was a bit of a it was a blatant pan. It was a reckless challenge. Yeah. And it was an, a needless challenge that didn't really have to be made because the player was going away from goal. He's gone um, through the back of him as well. Yeah. He may have got the ball, but he's gone through the back of him. It's a blatant pan. But they missed the penalty, didn't they? They, they missed the hit the bar. Hit, hit the, the bar. bar. That's right. Um, and then, but the momentum had already seemed to to, to go with Burton. Well, Liam Roberts made a brilliant save a couple of minutes before that, didn't they? Yes. Um, they should have scored. I think it's is it Liam Boyce, their yes. winger, really good player. Um, and then I think did he win the penalty? Oh, or did he take it? I can't remember. But yeah, then they missed the penalty. Um, but then. They scored for a deflected goal, didn't they? Yeah. Which was a bit unfortunate. But by that side, Walsall could have been 3-0 down. And yeah, they were well on top, weren't they? And then Devante Cole got put through for the second before half-time. And Walsall had offered pretty much nothing at that point, hadn't they? And they were 2-0 down. Nothing. Just a a bit of a bad day at the office, do you think? Um, It it was a uh, it was a bad day at the office. It was I thought Walsall was second. They were second best throughout, weren't they? It was a, it was a real poor afternoon. I have to say, um, I got a bit of stick on on Twitter during the game for not criticising Walsall enough and for overly praising Burton. But I actually stand by that. I think I think as poor as Walsall were and they were poor, I thought Burton were very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually fancy them to make a late surge for the playoffs now. Um, I think that I thought they would look really, really tidy. I think they've got some excellent players. I think their relegation last season was the first time they've been relegated in their history. Um, so there's a bit of a hangover from that. But to me, they looked very, very good. Um, so I think, as much as Walsall got a lot of stick on social media after that game for their performance, I think a few people were saying it's some of the, one of the worst performances I've ever seen. But that happens every time there is a bad performance, doesn't there? Someone comes <laughs> out with that. Some fan who's been watching them for 60 years says it's the worst performance I've seen in 60 years. I think um, that's our go-to headline on the videos. Oh, I'm seeing a worst performance in X years. Yeah, you always know someone's going to come out with some ridiculous statement like that after a loss. Mm. Um, so it was a bad day at the office. Walsall were not good. There is no two ways about that. But I do think Burton were very, very good. Um, I think... They also matched them up, didn't they? It was four three three. Burton had been playing that system all season, and Walsall were just sort of coming, getting into it. I do think um, Burton looked more comfortable in the system that day. Mm. They looked like they'd been playing in it all season, um, and yeah, it was a very, very comfortable win for Burton, who I think are a very good side. Any positives to take from that one? You scored at the end, I think. Who's, I can't remember who scored. I can't even remember either. Was it? I'm tempted to say Mr. Cook. He's got three and four cuts. That was, so the, one, that was the one where it went. It was three. It was three nil at the start. It's difficult. It's remembering back. I can't remember. They keep conceding so just after half time, don't well, they? they? That's what they did, didn't they? They went three nil down after the um, break, and then Cook round, Cook missed the free header, and that's then he it. rounded the goalie and hit the post from two yards. That's right. And, and then he scored. And then he bundled he one in, didn't he? Bundled they? one in. Later. Yeah. Yeah. He steered home. He slid home a ferry across, I think. And that was the irony, wasn't it? That even as as bad as Walsall had been, yeah. Cook had three good. Well, he should have scored at least two, shouldn't he? If it, with the one he got, yeah. And um, Walsall could have snatched the hardest, a point. He but... scored the hardest chance out of the three, really. He yeah. missed the free header and missed the the open goal, and it could, yeah, it could easily been three three, and and we would have wondered how. Um, yeah, because they Burton were tongued, really. Yeah, you know, Burton were by far the better side on the day. So poor afternoon. So, but and yeah, the fact that even in a 
uh, uh, probably their their poorest perform poorest home performance of the season. Even in that, they managed to create enough chances that they could have nicked something. So that I suppose that's a positive to take care of. Yeah. Out, out of five, you're gonna give me a Saddler's score. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be generous and say two because I think in the last half an hour they improved and did create chances. Two. I'm gonna agree with two. Two. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. Warsaw nil, Charlton two. I mean, Sod's law. Only, only Christian Bilek pops up and scores uh, a goal. Yeah. The forgotten man at Warsaw, the man who was signed and then never. I mean, I never saw him in a in a kit. I saw him in a training kit once. I went to Essington just after he got injured again, and he was like getting a drink and then leaving for go back to London. So I did see him for like all of ten seconds once. So he did actually make his way up to Warsaw. That did happen. He did get there. He did get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was written in the stars, wasn't it? To be fair, he was brilliant, wasn't he, on the night? They defended um, fantastically. I thought that the centre-halves completely dominated Foot Cook and Ferrier. Yeah, they did. Um, and, I mean, you, I suppose you could it from both points of view. Warsaw perhaps didn't, again, offer enough going forward. But when they did, everything was dealt with by the um, by the two chart and centre-halves who, who were excellent. Yeah, and It's a shame that Christian didn't wasn't able to show what he was uh, what he was, he was about in, in Warsaw colours. Yeah, I think the one thing that, the, what I really want to say there was there was a backlash after those two games, wasn't there, on social media? And there's yeah. a lot of fans that were very angry, uh, more angry than ha- harping on that things maybe have got as bad as last season, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but what, like I said earlier, I think Burton are a very 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 good side. I think Charlton, if I could have any squad in the division, I'd have their squad. Um, that's not a ringing endorsement of Lee Bowie's management skills. Yeah. Um, but I do, I genuinely believe on paper they have got the best players. Uh, I think I think they're absolutely full of quality. The fact the player like Mark Marshall, who in League One is absolutely class, is on their bench. Um, I think Tarek Fosu, Joe Aribo, and I mean Warsaw fans will be sick to death of me talking about him but Lyle Taylor for me is hands down the best striker in the division how he didn't get a move to the championship in the summer it just beggars belief he always always scores against Walsall and then with Christian Bilek is it, is it Pierce at the back with Bilek? Yeah Pierce yeah. Pierce at the back I mean they have got their, their squad is class they should be top two in my opinion if they had a more experienced manager I think they would be top two um I think that so. I think that's the thing with those two games. As, as angry as, as and as upset as people were, Burton just come down from the championship. They are a very good side. Mm. Charlton, their players, some of them would go for millions. Tarek Fosu, I mean, they sold Esri Konza, didn't they, in the summer? Charlton for I think like five six million to Brentford. I think they've got a handful of players that will go for that amount of money, which in League One is so hard to find. Mm. I just don't think there's much shame in Walsall losing those two games. Um, you think it's exacerbated that they were both at, both at home? I think it doesn't help they were both at home, yeah. And back to back. And back to Within back. four days. Yeah. Didn't help. It does put put it almost all under a microscope, doesn't it? That's a huge factor, the fact they're back to... And, two and four days, yeah. And following the great start of the season that they had, you yeah. know, that inevitably raises expectations. And, I mean, in fairness, you wouldn't expect to get zero points from six... Mm. Um, against those sides, as good as they are at home, you'd expect to get something from one of the games. But, yeah, probably. Yeah. But you, you're completely right about Charlton. Uh, 
you know, I mean, they had that Carl and Brant on the bench as well that night. He came on, yeah. he scored eight goals this season already, and he came off the bench. You know, he's on the bench for them. <laughs> Wolves have got an eight goal uh, player. He's he's not sitting on the bench, is he? So no like, chance. Yeah, they're they're a quality team. So yeah, I think it was just. Uh, look, everyone wants Wolves to be higher at the day. Everyone wants Wolves to be competing for the playoffs. It's, th- just because they've lost those two games doesn't mean they can't. Um, there's going to be ups and downs along the season, and they are really good teams, I think. So, But then they bounced back, didn't they? They had to bounce back against Coventry, and they did. Yeah, that's it. you must be a bad luck charm. Maybe that's what it is, mate. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Joe Edwards and, and uh, Tom Leach were our, were our guys there. Saw Cook, Jeanette and Devlin score. Devlin got his first goal as well. Decent strike, that, by the way. Um, Super strike. Absolutely yeah. legend of a man as well, Nicky Devlin. I mean, it was quite a game, wasn't it? After, I don't know, mate. I wasn't <laughs> there. <laughs> well, it my, was. My it call, was. It was quite a game. Um, I'm struggling to think back. You know, been covering the club for a, a number of years now, and sort of watched them as a fan before that. And five goals, pitch invasion. The referee threatening to abandon the game over the tannoy yeah. because of a bottle thrown onto the pitch. Um, it was eventful, yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've certainly covered um, duller games, uh, and and there were some fantastic goals in the game as well. I mean, Warsaw's opener. Um, I think you'll go under the radar a little bit because of the other two strikes that were um, from Luke Thomas and Nicky Devlin that, yeah. that were sort of really clean, crisp strikes, good technique. But Warsaw's opening goal was amazing. Beautiful back heel from Zelly Ismail, mm-hmm. and Andy Cook did a little drag back in the six yard box that was, you know, I think, I think he's a little bit underrated in terms of his his, his, his touch, Andy Cook, and, yeah. and he showed there. Um, I think I likened it at the time to uh, Robson Carney um, for Wales in the Euros, just that little drag back in the Some in the area, and he poked it past the goal. It was a lovely goal, um, and then we had the we had the strikes from Thomas and and, and Devlin as well. Um, it did look at one stage that. That they'd thrown it away two 0 up. Yeah. Um, and commentary did come back at them. I mean, they've you know spoken about the pitch invasion. A lot of lot of commentary fans there, outnumbered the Warsaw fans unbelievably, really. Um, and and you know when when it went two two, you looked like there was only win- one winner. But mm. they showed a hell of a lot of character after that. You know they they must take a lot of credit for for the way they responded, not just to the fact that they've gone two goals behind, but when you've got hundreds of people coming on the pitch. Yeah. That that can intimidate you it can affect you in different ways um, and they didn't let it um, after that they were by far the better team for the final half an hour yeah that's it. that resilience is really something which Dean Keats has hammered into this Walsall squad isn't it because last season when when Whitney was there and then obviously Keats took over there was that you always thought that when Walsall went one goal down you thought the heads dropped but now you look at this Walsall team and Dean Keats has really got them Resilient. I mean, and I know we're just talking about after two defeats, but that Coventry game showed a lot about the spirit, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I think you mentioned fairly last season. If that had happened last season, two 0 to two two, I don't think they would have won the game. I didn't think they would have drawn the game. I think they would have lost it. I'm pretty convinced. Mm. Obviously, it's difficult to say, um, but you know, from from events that that happened last season, that that would. Indicate it would be the case. Just yeah. a point on that though, um, that by heads dropping last season, they, Keats did install this resilience at the start of this season, absolutely, and they had that all the way through until the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, when I think the big one was probably was it Southend away? We lost three 0 wasn't it? Yeah. And they were 
I keep saying for for 60, 65, 70 minutes. So they were one 0 down for that time, but they were, if not the better team, they were very much on an equal footing. Um, they they should have probably for 70 minutes they absolutely should have got something from that game. Mm. It just happened to be one 0 down. They then went two 0 down, um, and their heads did drop then. Um, and I think we saw that a little bit against Burton and a little bit um, <coughs> against Charlton. So. That was creeping in, and you could see players' confidence was low after those defeats. So I think the Coventry result to come from to be pegged back at two all, and then to <coughs> go on and um, get the win, I think long term for the season that's absolutely massive, absolutely mm. massive. But the one question I'll ask is Michael, because I spoke to Josh Gordon and Keats after that on um, after the Checker Trade game, and they seem to think that. Walsall showed against Coventry, they're like getting back to themselves more. They, they always say they do the basics well. But did you see that against Coventry? Yeah, absolutely. They were um, what I think I'd noted the, the two games before that is that the um, the they weren't biting into the tackles and they weren't harrying and hassling the opposition players. Burton's players, Burton and Charlton, as you've said, are very good teams. But I thought Walsall gave them too much space on the ball. Wasn't yeah, enough pressing. Um, they weren't pressing high. They're getting pegged, uh, pushed back against Coventry. They got back to what they have been doing towards the start of the season, not giving the opposition much space on the ball, closing them down um, in packs sometimes, and then and then pressing forward in numbers as well. Um, and it was you know it was like chalk and cheese really. Um, so why that happened in the Burton and Charlton game, you know, it's tough to analyse, isn't it? You know, it could be down to the quality of the opposition. Could be down to a bit of tiredness, probably a combination of, of those two. Really. Yeah, yeah, but the good news is they did look back to themselves. Yeah, <clears> yeah, absolutely. That bodes well. Had a into Fleetwood, didn't it, on Saturday? The worrying, you know, but slightly worrying aspect recently. I mean, I think a lot of people said that when when Russell Martin signed, I think people thought he might, you know, bring that experience that they needed. But actually, conceding more goals. I'm not saying that's down to him because yeah. he's, he's, you know, can't really think of a, a mistake that he's made. Um, but they seem to have a better defensive record when it was Guthrie and Fitzwater together at the back. I mean, they've conceded mm. two against Port Vale, two against Coventry, two against Charlton, three against Burton, three against Southend, two against Luton. I mean, they've conceded two plus goals yeah. for <coughs> a lot of their... Yeah, that is the big worry. So that, that's, for <coughs> me now, that's the key issue that needs to be... Um, Strange one because with a lot of them, like that, as as coincided with Russell Martin coming into the team. But when I think back to the goals conceded, none of them have involved him. After they haven't been a, a lot of them. A lot of them are individual errors. Keeps keeps pointing this out. Hmm. Um, I don't think any of those areas errors have been Russell Martin's. Um, but then Fitzwater is so silky. I think. I mean, I think he's class for his age. I really do. It's gonna. But I think if Russell Martin's fit, he does play. Yes. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and. I suppose you look at that commentary game as well, and one of the commentary goals does come from an uncharacteristic error from Liam Roberts as well. Yeah. So you maybe look at that and, and chalk one of those off, saying, "Well, yeah. on any other day he makes that save. It's just it happens to uh, slip under him, doesn't it?" But um, let's get let's get a scoreline from both of you on that one. I mean, Joe, I know you weren't there, but Michael, do you want to <laughs> give us a, a mark out of five? Yeah, as soon as I gave the the other one two, I feel like I should give this one four because it was certainly twice as good. I think, yeah, I'll give it four. Four. Did I get a Charlton score? No. No. We go we'll skip for, that one. I think for that one. One. Yeah, I think it was probably worse than the Burton one because they didn't create anything. No. At all. Charlton were very, very comfortable, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, um, of course, we did briefly touch on the Port Vale game. 
Um, from one cup competition to another one, this one, of course, not as universally loved uh, by fans. Um, but Walsall threw in something of a dead rubber, uh, although it did dictate, you know, whether they travel or not in the next in the next in the next game, the next round. Um, firstly, how many fans were there? Eight, was it? Oh, I can't remember. I wasn't there. It was more than seven hundred and two. More, okay, which so is that's all, a good sign. Which is all that matters, um, because every time Walsall have had a record low attendance, I've had to write it, and because the way you write stories, you have to explain why it's a record low attendance. So there's been so many times when I've had to write. I don't know, let's say, for example, da, 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 Walsall slipped to a 2-1 defeat to Oldham in the Checker Trade Trophy, dash, on the night they recorded their lowest ever attendance at the Banks of Stadium, blah, 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 blah. And then you have to explain controversial changes to the competition, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> it was 702, it was more, well, 702 against Middlesbrough, when, depending on whose figures you believe, they Middlesbrough even bought 9 or 13 fans. Um, but yeah, so it was more than that. I think it was about 800, wasn't it, the other night for Port Vale? I think it was. Michael wasn't there. He doesn't bother with those. He's too big time for those. You say I'm too big time for the FA Cup. He was too big time for the Checker Trade Trophy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd rather turn it to an FA Cup game than a Checker Trade one. Although um, yeah. I, do, I did nearly go to that Checker Trade game. How many games? Oh, let's talk about that, shall we? Let's talk about that. So, Luke Hatfield, how long have you worked for the Express and Star for? Uh, over two years now. What's your job title? Uh, it's digital sports journalist. Sports, yeah. 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 How many Walsall games have you been to? Uh, zero. Zero. How many um, times have you been to the Banks of Stadium in your life? One. One. And why was that? Because Dean Keats was appointed. Shocking. It, to be honest, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna level with you here. It's not my job. I don't pick the games I go to, mate. You need to put your foot down, mate. I need to. Well, I've, I've, I've been put down for two Walsall games now, and each time Nathan Judah is because uh, Nathan Judah is my line manager. He has switched it last minute. So I, I was I was looking forward to Walsall Port Vale. I really was. No, you weren't. Oh, no, honest to God, I was. I even came over to you the week before saying I'm, I'm down for a Walsall game. That's how excited I was about it. And then two days before, Nathan Judas like, oh, we got a meeting in the morning. You're going to have to come in. You can't go to the Walsall game. Have you ever watched Walsall live? Ever? Yes. Yeah. Um, I watched it on Aston Villa's YouTube channel when they played against them earlier this in pre-season. You've never seen them in the flash? No. No, brilliant. Okay. And right. I'm hosting the Walsall podcast. <laughs> <laughs> With a claret shirt on as well. Oh, he's coming in and filling colours. Yeah. <laughs> That's sad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, sad or not, it looks good. Um, mm. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Um, anyway, I was nearly there, but I wasn't. Um, yeah, it was um, a bit of a disappointing one, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Nah, it's irrelevant. That's why I didn't go. I'm dealing with the fans, and the fans don't like it, so I decided. If the fans don't turn up, down with yeah. you're, yeah. Down, you're done with nothing, mate. <laughs> down with. I have um, boycotted the competition. No, you haven't. I haven't. No, I went to the I went to the Middlesbrough game with, <laughs> with my little lad. Um, I don't get the chance to take him because I'm working most of them. So yeah, um, that was a Tuesday night game that I wasn't working. So I was one of the. We were two of the seven hundred and two. We were. I'm really getting a sad, getting him to be a Saddlers fan soon, are we? Uh, I'm trying. It's very difficult um, because of where we are and, and where we're located. We live in Great Bar, basically, so oh, we're literally right, okay. probably right in the middle of Villa, West Brom and Warsaw. Now, obviously, I'm a Warsaw fan. whole family's Warsaw fans. Mm. So my, my dad's taking him to, to, to games on, on occasion and I'm taking him when I can. Um, but he did get free tickets for West Brom through his school last season, uh, so his auntie took him there. And then recently, 
I believe I'm going to admit this on this here, so I'm going to get absolute pelters, but I took him to Molyneux because oh. he loves Harry Kane. I wouldn't my, step my foot lad, in Molyneux, mate. I know, my lad's called Harry, loves Harry Kane. He's his hero now after England's World Cup heroics in the summer, oh. so he wanted to go and watch him. And I thought it, I thought it was easier to go and watch him at Molyneux than to go and down to Wembley and watch England, really. Um, so. That's the best excuse for going to Molyneux, but yeah. it's still not a good enough excuse, really. Yeah, when I, was, when I was there, I mean, we were sat amongst the, the Wolves fans and he was obviously cheering Harry Kane whenever he got near the goal <laughs> and I was trying my best to pretend I was a Wolves fan. Um, oh, no, yeah, you didn't no. go that far, oh, did you? I didn't want to get in trouble. Oh, it, oh it just keep your mouth shut. I know, it wasn't my fault. You can't game. let that brush off on you. Sad, sad times. The last thing the world needs is another Wolves fan. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I was actually, I was actually at that game as well. Funny enough, that was my first Wolves game. Wow, you are my, prolific my, at my getting first, out this my office. My first Molyneux Wolves game. I was, at, I was at Wolves Villa uh, two years ago when uh, Jack, Jack Grealish. <laughs> I think he stamped on Connor Cody, got away with it, but got a retrospective ban. Um, but yeah, that was my first Molyneux Wolves game. So I don't, I don't know what I've been doing for two years, to Mate, be honest. <laughs> it's the talk in the office, isn't it? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, that is the talk in the that office. That is the talk. As long as it's not in the editor's mind, I don't care. <laughs> um, just going briefly back to the... Because I've spoken to Joe about this before with my, with my lad, and you said trying to make him into a Wolves fan. Mm. So this season, my dad took him to um, the game against Blackpool, which was 0-0. Yeah. Then the game against Accrington Stanley, which we lost one nil at home. Okay. So we hadn't seen Warsaw score basically, and oh. and in those games I was getting really irate in the, in, in the press box. We lost your head on Twitter a bit, didn't you? I lost me. Yeah, Is I that when you yeah. said we're not getting back in the playoffs? Yeah, so that's then when we were I said like that. the next week. Yeah, I got yeah. a bit wound up because my lad had gone to two games and not seen a Warsaw goal, which was really. You know, um, <laughs> you are surprisingly emotional, aren't you? Yeah, I just wanted him to see a goal, you know, and then that's why I took him to the Middlesbrough game basically because I thought we're gonna score in that game. That yeah, yeah, so that was great. Do you have a favourite player? Um, no, I'm also it's Harry Kane. Do you know what I mean? I'm, it's, I'm trying to get him away from Tottenham. I'm trying to get him away from West Brom. So you know, if we keep, you know, if we keep taking him. Well, Surely I'd... we've got to win a league game when he's there eventually. Yeah. Plus, you know, if Walsall sign Harry Kane, then you, I mean, and then we're set. laughing. Oh yeah, Joe Massey. I'll be keeping your tweets on notification about that one in uh, in January. Um, no, but let's just finish up on that game very quickly. Uh, it was an interesting night for Connor Johnson, wasn't it? It was. Um, oh yeah, you can't do this oh, one, can you? Oh, okay. yeah, I got this one. This has worked out quite well. So I'm, I'm trying to be polite. Let Michael go first. Then yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Connor Johnson scored. Um, I'm, I'm sure. I don't know. I haven't even looked into it, but it's probably his first career goal. Um, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, he got sent off for. Um, he got, an, he got a yellow card. I don't. He got a yellow card in the first half. Um, I can't remember what for, to be honest. Um, and then he's had an absolute mare, to be fair to the lad. Um, balls come over the top. Um, he can initially just play out. He's just does. He's got loads of time. Quickly puts him under a bit of pressure. Then he can go back to the keeper. But he doesn't go back to the keeper. He again tries to play out, and he gets caught trying to turn, and quickly just takes the ball off him. And then he just pretty much. Wraps his arm around him and brings him down rugby rugby style. He, I mean, it's an absolute blatant. I mean, I think you can get a straight red for that, really. Uh, but he did. Yeah. He did get two yellows. Keith said I could have no. He could have no arguments about that. Um, uh, I mean, he had to go, especially since though he was on a yellow. But what I would say about um, Connor Johnson is how well he's done in the games he's played. He's only played in the Checker Trade Trophy. Um, but he looks, I think he looks a really assured presence. He's a young lad, very young. Um, he's got next to no first-team experience. I think he's in a little group at Wolves where he's been kind of bombed out. They've got like a, 
almost the team away from the team, haven't they, of yeah. lone players, um, of which Jordan Graham is famously one of them. Um, yeah, so I think, I don't know if his future's really at Molyneux. Um, so, I mean, maybe long-term he could be a good acquisition for the Saddlers if they could bring him in permanently. But to me, he looks a really good player. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Wolves have they've had this meteoric rise, so to speak. So there are a lot of players who are in his kind of shoes, so to speak. As we mentioned, Jordan Graham, who's now trained at Oxford, is he? Yeah, Paul Lambert loves Jordan Graham. Oh, yeah, best mates. I mean, yeah. Christmas card list, top of, top of the pile, isn't it? Um, but yeah, there's a couple. Um, I think Zyro's another one. Um, Ronan. Connor Ronan, yeah, potentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the whole, both of these competitions, you'd love to see Walsall get to the third round of the FA Cup, wouldn't you? But the Checker Trade Trophy, is it is it realistic to think Walsall could go far in that one? So I get a lot of stick from my views on the Checker Trade Trophy. I mean, I won't go into it massively because um, we've done it before on the podcast. We've covered it to, to death, really. But... I, I've said it a million times, it means more to me the Czech Trophy in the FA Cup. I mean, people hammer me on, on the desk for it. I can't understand being in a competition you can't win. To me, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why people are desperate to get drawn against Man United away. I don't see the joy in going to Old Trafford and getting beat 5-0. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. But what if you get a result? I just don't think... I mean, look, I love Walsall and I'm so optimistic about Walsall's chances, but... As much as I love them, and as much as I think George Dobson's a brilliant central midfielder, and as much as I think Andy Cook's going to smash him in this season, if they come up against Pogba, Alexis Sanchez um, and Lukaku, they're losing the game. <laughs> they are losing the game. The golf is too big. I mean, I don't want to say it, but if we play Man City, the only time we're going to touch the ball is when we kick off after conceding. I mean, Man City smash Premier League teams, don't they? They absolutely smash them. So I just don't... I just want Wolves... I, and I always said... Success breeds success. I really believe that. I don't. I think there's an element of when Walsall finished third under Dean Smith, when they just missed out on automatic promotion the year before they got to the final of the Checker Trade, didn't they? Or what was, what, what was it called? Denson Johnson's paint. Johnson's paint. Johnson's paint. Um, that's what I genuinely believe success breeds success. So they had that success of getting to Wembley. I still think they would have had a great year the following year if they hadn't made it to that final. Mm. Um, but I just think it helps. It builds momentum. It was the first time they'd ever been at Wembley. It was a feel-good factor around them. I really, really, really want Walsall to win the Checker Trade Trophy this season. I want Dean Keats to walk up those steps at Wembley and lift the trophy. Um, and I just think it would be huge. I'd be so happy to see it. Um, so I think they can go really far in it and I think they can win it. And I hope they do win it. Michael, do you echo those sentiments? I can see where Joe's coming from, and I agree to an extent. The, the problem is, we all know, as you said, it's probably been well documented, what's happened with the trophy, the beat, the, the under-21 team has been introduced to it. And, and that's that's really, you know, the reason for, for everybody's um, unhappiness with the competition. You know, going back to that Johnston's paint run, you know, everyone got everyone got into that because that was before mm. they made these changes to the competition. Um, you know, also took 30,000 fans to, to Wembley. Everybody got into into it because, you know, league that season, sort of mid-table. Um, so it's just those changes. It's just the fact that people are worried that it's going to be it's the not start quite of those changes, though, is it? Because the... even before then, the reason why those changes were made was because yeah. attendances were so low. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and teams were running games at a loss, weren't they? The clubs yeah. were putting games on and they were losing money through the... They yeah. weren't getting the money in. Mm. They would cover policing costs and things like that. So they had to do something. What they've done is wrong. There's no two ways about it. It's been an absolute shambles. But the competition was on its knees, even when it was the Johnson's Paint Trophy. Yeah. Um, 
The um, f- final always got big numbers, but the, you know, probably the area finals as well. But yeah, the early stages. Yeah. You're right. No one cared. No yeah, one cared, no did they? So I can't remember who said it, but someone in football famously said, "You either want to win it or get knocked out in the first round." Mm-hmm. And really, the same still applies today because what what has happened is you realise. What having these under twenty one teams has done is show everyone how bad the academy system is. Yeah. Um, in this country, like the, the academy doesn't work. It does not work. You look, Walsall against Middlesbrough under twenty ones. It was it was embarrassing, wasn't it? Mm. Walsall were far and away um, the superior side. And, and like I spoke to Mascuya after that game, he was probably man the match that day. And if we're honest about Mascuya, he is he's a promising winger who is probably trying to become a League One winger, isn't he? He's, he's a very talented player and he's got every chance of doing it. But he, at this moment in time, he's probably not good enough to be a League One regular, even though he is developing. He, on that day, was head and shoulders above any Middlesbrough player. Um, so you think, it's not working. So all this, I know people are annoyed about the 21 teams coming in, but the truth is the 21 teams are, are rubbish, with the exception of Man City, who have got lads like Ruiz, who... Apparently he's moving to Real Madrid in the summer because he thinks he's got more chance of first-team football there. <laughs> um, so, to me, has, has it really changed that much? It's just more games and the and the groups. Yeah, perhaps the, the yeah perhaps people's perception of it has, has, has changed more than actual the actual competition itself, maybe. Um, but it, yeah, you know, before before these changes were introduced, people didn't come because oh, you know, it's. It's the, it's the third tier competition or it's, you know what I mean? And there's so many games, I understand it, you know. Sometimes you have to prioritise which games you want to go and go and watch. And, and you know, um, you know perhaps ticketing could have been done better. Maybe it could have been mm. cheaper to go and watch. I don't know, it's difficult, yeah. But like you say, you know, it was the, the perception you either wanted to go out in the first round and concentrate on the league and the other clubs or you wanted to get go all the way. I just wish I'd give it a... I think everyone in the lower league should give it a real good go, I do. Mm. Um, and... Because football is all about silverware. There's like at those two at those two leagues in League One and League Two, the EFL trophy is the only trophy you can win really. Because um, promotion, even if you win the league, you see it. The achievement is more promotion, isn't it? Like every Walsall fan would take would snap your hand off for second at the start of the season. They don't really care about finishing first and getting a trophy. They just want to get to the championship. Whereas the EFL trophy is the only the only trophy. You can walk out at Wembley, play a game of football, and then get that trophy at the end of it, walk up those steps. I just think, to me, it's really sad if, if that's your only chance of a trophy, that you don't take it seriously and don't go for it, because I just think that's what football should be about. Oh. I think the team, it seems like the, the team and the club are taking it seriously, though, don't they? You know what I mean? They, they, clearly want to get, they clearly want to get through, and get well, they have got through, and want to get as far as in the competition as they can. It's just... Uh, it's just a fan issue, isn't it, really? And um, I understand why people stay away. Um, yeah, I understand why people stay away. Yeah. Well, but the fans not might not be there, but Joe Massey will be there. I'll be there. That's amazing. I mean, I do have to be there anyway. You'll be paid to be I'll there. I'll be paid to be there, which does make a difference, of course it does. But, yeah, um, yeah the, closer, I'll the closer they get to Wembley, I'll be there as well. I've got no shame in it. Proper glory, boy. Uh, yeah. well, if we get to the yeah, area the final bank. again, I'll be there. Yeah. I'll take my lad, that's one. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. That's um, my excuse. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's let's get a quick rating for that Port Vale game then, guys. I almost forgot to do that, but out of five? Um, I'll say three. Um, I thought, like, to quote Dean Keats, also were very good 18-18. to 18. They had all the possession. Um, they just couldn't really take the chances, didn't create enough chances. Um, 
and Port Vale took that. I mean, Quigley's first goal, I thought it was an absolute smashing header. It was a really, really good goal. And then for 10 men, they gave it everything, really. They were as good as Port Vale, still with 10. Mm. Um, but I think Johnson got sent off in the 50th minute, so it was a long time to play with 10. And eventually they conceded one and ended up losing the game. But it, like, it doesn't matter, does it? They're through. Yeah, Just don't want to get Sunderland in the next round. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sun- Sunderland. Sunderland two weeks in a row now. And then again, potentially in the checker trade. They were one of eight teams that they could draw, aren't they? One of four. One of four, yeah. It's one of four teams that can draw. How does that work? Because you can only draw group winners. Right. And and it's still regionalised at this stage. Yeah, but I thought there was eight northern groups. So I thought there were seven other teams they could draw. Is there? Yeah, because you can't draw the team. Because I've tweeted and put in my story for. I'm pretty sure there's seven. seven Huge huge controversy on the Best Got (laughs) Beat podcast. Maybe I'm not. I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I have to say I did steal the fact, so I haven't actually done my own research. A lot of my my facts are stolen. I had a look on the BBC website um, to look at the tables, and I'm sure there were eight northern tables. Because there's... How many teams are in the competition? It's 32 left, so there would have been 64. So there would have been 64. That's 16 groups of four. There's eight northern groups, eight southern groups. Yeah. Well, so don't, don't <laughs> take everything you read in the Express and Star as gospel. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> as I may have got that wrong, but they're still, still either way they've got a good, they've got a, they've fair, got a, a chance, half decent of, chance of drawing Sunderland away. Which that week, that week is going to be quite an important week. Um, the Czech Trade Trophy game comes on the Tuesday after the, the FA, Cup. FA Cup. Yeah, so yeah, it's literally. Let's look at where they are in the league. I mean, eleventh. Unless you know, if they can pick up some points in these next three games and Fleetwood away, Sunderland, Fleetwood, Fleetwood away, Sunderland at home, and Portsmouth away, aren't exactly ones you'd earmark points from. So if they don't, and you're looking at mid-table, then that week becomes really quite important, yeah. in that they need to win at least one of those games to to have something to play for. I mean, obviously we can't say that they're they're out of playoff contention yet because far too early and they've already got 25 points on the board so they're not but if results don't sort of improve from yeah. the recent league form I mean they've lost 4 in 5 in the league haven't they so yeah, yeah. if they don't improve that week's going to be huge um, certainly will be right Joe Massey came up to me before this podcast said you want to talk a bit about Andy Cook slow start from him but you're expecting him to bang in the goals. He's, he's doing so, isn't he? Uh, yes. Andy Cook, a bit of a regular segment on the old poddy, um, partly because of my love for him. Um, but I just, want, I just want to say, he had. Um, I think he's done so well. Um, he's got eight goals in 22 games this season. Mm. Um, he's got three in his last four, of which one of them was that goal Michael was talking about earlier against Coventry. I'm putting a story out on Saturday with quotes from Keats um, on Cook. Um, so this is a bit of a spoiler of that story, really. But Massive Keats, plug. Massive plug. Um, you probably don't need to read it because I'll just say it all now. But basically, <laughs> uh, Keats saying that how, just how pleased he's been with him. Um, he's really trimmed down. Um, he's done a lot of work with the fitness coaches. Um, he's, got, he's got hardly any like body fat on him now. He's really worked on that side of his game. He had a bit of a, a slowish start, but he says he starts slow in... In every season, really. Um, mm. And I just think, he got called. I don't know if it was after the Burton game or the Charlton game. I can't... I can't remember. It might have been the Burton... It probably was the Burton game when he did score and miss those two chances. He got called... Um, if he, he got a bit of criticism on Twitter. One, so a couple of fans called him a donkey, to which Andy Cook did tweet donkey. And then de- I think he's deleted the tweet since. Um, 
But just want to say like how ridiculous that was that people criticised him then when mm. this is a, a player who has scored this, the goals he has. He scored 28 goals in the National League last season. He's so much better on the ball than people give him credit for. And he categorically knows where the net is. Um, and he's shown that now by netting three in his last four. And I just think he's going to kick on. Um, and I, I just think he's going to be a regular scorer all season. I don't, I don't know what more you could want from a player who is in his first year in the Football League. Mm. Um, I think he's done remarkably well. And I just I just want people to support him, really, because he is a player who knows where the back of the net is. And that is rare to find um, these days, especially for how he was a free transfer um, so I just think he's been fantastic. Do you think that's where the criticism comes from, guys? Where he's, I mean, he's come from non-league, so people almost see him and they think he's a non-league player. When does it change from being a non-league player to a League One player? Do you think that's where the criticism probably I comes think from? It, I think it could well do, um, because he has spent, I think, virtually his entire career in, 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 uh, in the non-league system. Um, but as Joe says, you know, he's getting the goals. I think people might sometimes underestimate how much of a step up he's had to make you know yeah. from to, to come from a national league as it's called now to league one is a big step you know I, from national league to league two not so much I mm. think I think but that two division gap is a, is a massive step to try and jump up and, li- and literally hit the ground running and he has you know um, he's helped from he's been helped by the fact that he's, he's mostly started um, you know all of the games and, and, and obviously Dean Keats has got a lot of faith in him but as, as Joe says I think I completely agree with that he's, um, he's a bit underrated in, in, in terms of what he can do um, I think he needs a bit more support really from, from, from those around him you know then Wolves haven't got enough crosses into the box for him in the air um, if they do, he's going he's gonna to score. He's going to score headers. That's it. That's one of his I, big know, strengths, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And they've not done that anywhere near enough. And and even then, he still managed to score eight goals. He missed a couple of penalties as well. And I think that I think that at the start of the season didn't help. I yeah, think he no, missed, you're he missed, right. he missed a couple <clears throat> of penalties. And and that sort of immediately, perhaps, when you've got reactive people, you know, they're going to say, you know, he's missed golden chances there. Um, and, and I think he did take a little while to bed in there but I think we're starting to see the best of him mm. that's it Joe Massey loves Andy Cook I am a big Andy Cook fan it has to be said alright let's get into a quick segment I've got planned for you guys it's called Panic Button now I've I don't got, really understand this game just so you know it's alright I mean I did try and describe it to Joe earlier but I mean it just whoosh, straight over his head um, basically I'm going to give you a stat about Walsall and then I will ask both of you guys to come to a decision whether or not we should hit the panic button. Now, I've got a panic button on my phone. If I hit the panic button, it'll make a funny noise and then we can discuss it. If not, you can tell me to shut up and we'll move on. Okay. How right. long does a panic button stay available for? How long does it... Well, it's always available. Oh, okay. So, like, you can you can discuss it a little bit if you want and then say, yeah, you know what, let's hit the panic button. Or you can be like, no, Luke, let's move on. You're taking up too much time. This is a rubbish segment. Okay. Okay. So the first Walsall stat I've got for you. Walsall have only won one of their last five league games. Do we hit the panic button on Walsall's league form? I'm not pressing it. Are you pressing it? He's tempted to press oh, it. He's tempted. <laughs> the reason that I would say press it is because of the games that are coming up. Are you pressing mm. it then? I am. I'm going to press it. Press yeah. it then. Press it. Yeah. Wait, it can get louder than that. We've hit the panic button. 
Your app has not worked as well as you wanted it to. It's quite quiet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be louder than that. That's, that's, like probably, that's probably apt, though, because I don't think it, it requires it was a, a, mild, a loud panic. It was only it's, a, it's a mild panic. A, it's a mild panic, yes. It's a mild panic. And it, and it <clears> is more about the games that are coming up than <clears> the games that have gone, because I think I've touched on it earlier. It's Fleetwood next, and then and then if they lose that one, then Sunderland at home, Portsmouth away. Got Peterborough looks, before Christmas as looks well. It's very daunting, doesn't it? You know, and, and they've had a run... You know, of, of, of fixtures, Wickham, Burton, Charlton, Luton, Southampton—all good sides. But you would have hoped that they would have got more than three points from fifteen in those, because yeah. this is going to be a very difficult run. There, I'm not discounting the possibility, of course, that they can win these. You know, they can. Do you know what I mean, they've beaten beaten good teams already this season. Um, they can win these games, but they're going to have to be back to the top of their game to do yeah. so. Shall I tell you why I'm not pressing the panic button? Go on. Um, Fleetwood on Saturday, very, very difficult game, no doubt about it. They've got some really good players, uh, primarily for me, Ashley Hunter, I think is an excellent player um, in League One. However, I'm not. they're two points below Walsall in the table, first and foremost, um, and they are in a little bit of disarray. I don't know if you've read Jerry Barton's comments after the checker trade uh, game in midweek, but he basically said some players after that game will not... I've got to leave in January. Um, mm. He's bombing them out after that performance. He's also bombed out a lad called Bobby Grant, who I know from covering Shrewsbury um, a few years ago. Very, very good um, attacking midfielder, left winger player, and a very a sound lad as well. He's been key to Fleetwood over the last couple of years. He's, he's, he's bombed him out as well. Um, it seems to me like... Look, I'm not Jerry Barton's biggest fan, um, but it seems to me like... Behind the scenes, things isn't all great there. Mm. Um, so I don't... Look, it's a difficult game. It's away from home. But I fancy Walsall to get something at the weekend, even if it's just a draw. I mean, I think they can win the game, but I fancy them to get something at the weekend. Portsmouth, I'm, I'm a bit worried about. Yeah. Um, because I've said many a time, it's, it's the most basic concept, but the team that wins the league will be the most consistent team. Um, it's as simple as that. And Portsmouth have been the most consistent team. Everyone else in the league... Well, not everyone else, but the vast, vast majority of teams in the league are so inconsistent. They're just as good as each other, basically. Um, that they, and they can't put a run together, whereas Portsmouth have. So they do worry me. Um, that game does worry me. I think Kenny Jackett interviewed him a few times when he was Wolves manager. Fantastic bloke. Mm. Um, and a very, very, very good manager um, in League One. So that game does worry me. Sunderland, Walsall just beat big teams. Everyone was worried when Sheffield United... Remember when Sheffield United came? And, like, we just always used to beat Sheffield United. And then they got tonked. Remember that when Whitney was in charge? 4-1 at home. Yeah. And absolutely ripped them apart. Um, I just like... it's The Sunderland game is the game of the season, isn't it? It's the one that everyone was looking at at the start of the season. When is Sunderland coming to town? Mm. They're going to bring so many fans. It's going to be rocking. Um, and I just think you cannot not get up for that game. Um, so I think... And just Walsall love proving a point in these matches. So I fancy to get something from Sunderland as well. I fancy to get something from Fleetwood. Portsmouth, tough. Although I think they're better away from home than at home. Shrewsbury gave them a real good go um, at Fratton Park. Um, and then I think Sunderland we can get something as well. Yeah, so no he's, reason to panic from he's taught, me, he's taught me around a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Oh, well, you wouldn't press the button now, would probably you? Probably not. No, there no. we go. Oh, see? Well, I mean, it's already been pressed, so <laughs> I'm happy. Um, the next stat is Walsall have the worst goal difference in the top 15 League One teams. Do we hit the panic button on that? Put your button out. Go and get it out. Put it out, yeah. You can press it. Hold it down, hold it down. 
There you go. I'm panicking. You're panicking. Which is a bit contradictory to what I've just said, isn't it? A little bit. Like, <laughs> genuinely thought you were not going to press the button. Did you know? Yeah. I didn't think Joe was going to press the button at all. <laughs> I'm only panicking. I think they're going to be fine. I think everything's going to be okay. But I don't. It's the it's these the fact they always can see two goals all of a sudden. Um, I think what will happen is they will get they. Everyone's saying they were more like themselves against Coventry. I'm, I'm hoping they'll be even more like themselves against Fleetwood on Saturday. I think they will get back to basics. Um, but I think you cannot not raise the alarm when you've conceded two goals for so many games in a row. Mm. Um, but Dean Keats is obviously fully aware of that and knows it's an issue that needs to be addressed. And I think the players this weekend will really go out with points to prove not to concede two. Um, I mean, they'll be desperate for a clean sheet, but they definitely, definitely have to tighten up at the back. Um, because they have got goals in them. The, the, the goals for column isn't as great as anyone else in the top half, really. Mm. But Cook will get goals. Perry is, hasn't got, he hasn't scored in nine, but he will come good. Ginelli's chipping in. Ismail looks like he's getting back on form. Um, so the goals will come, but there's no doubt about it. The def- at the back, it is a worry. Um, I'm sure they'll correct it, but it's how, still a How worry. do you go about doing that? How do you go about fixing this leaky Walthall defence at the moment? It's difficult, isn't it? Because I don't think... I don't feel as if that they are defending collectively badly. Um, they are not conceding 10 to 15 chances a game to other teams um, in general. They, they conceded a few chances to Burton. Um, but other than that, you know, they aren't, as a collective, they're doing okay. It's these individual errors. And I don't know how, you know, how do you coach to stop individual errors? You know, you look back, I mean, before, before the Coventry game, it had been five penalties conceded in six home league games which is ridiculous and they were I don't think really you could argue with any of them if I remember you know from from off the top of my head I think they were all pretty silly challenges or needless challenges they were all fair decisions yeah. um, and then you add on to the fact that a couple of things I think there was one game where George Dobson lost the ball on the edge of the box I think that was against Burton for the third goal right at the start um, of the second right half. at the start of the second half yeah. um, then you go to the check trade Trophy, Connor Johnson's made that mistake um, to, to lead to the red card. These are all things that are contributing heavily to that um, stat, in my opinion. And um, how do you cut them out? Yeah. Well, asked, <laughs> if we knew that, then we, we'd all be football managers as well. Yeah. Keats was asked that the other night um, after the Checker Trade trade for me. He said the only way you can cut it out is to just learn, is to show clips of it, to sit down, go through it time and time and time again. Um, and I think that they have been sucker punched, if you like, by a lot of in- individual errors. Like what you mm. said there, so true. When you think the Charlton game, as comfortable as Charlton were, and they were comfortable, they didn't create that much, did they? No. Um, they're not. They are defending okay. Um, so I think that kind of feels like maybe it will turn for them naturally. These mm. like individual errors will just become a little bit less. They won't maybe won't get punished for them um, as they have been over the last couple of games. But I think there'll be a real sort of conscious effort from them to maybe play a little bit safer, to keep things a little bit tighter, and hopefully to look back on all these clips and learn and, and shore things up a little bit. Yeah. In, in, in the opening month or so of the season, they weren't making those sort of errors. No. And they were defending like Lions at times when they were coming under pressure. I still think they're defending quite well, but just cutting those mistakes out. That's it. Cut them out. Right, let's go on to questions very quickly. Um, talk Walsall with the first one. Uh, if you had to compare Cook, Zelly and Dobson to Walsall players of past ability-wise, who would they be? 
I think this is one just for Michael, it says. I've <laughs> <laughs> been covering them slightly longer than Joe, only slightly. Um, Cook, I mean, everyone makes the obvious com- um, comparison with Andy Rummel, who was um, a big part of the team that was promoted in 98 mm-hmm. 99. Talisman striker. Good in the air, led the line, scored a lot of goals. You can completely see why, where these comparisons have come from, where's his heart on his sleeve. Um, I've, I've tried to wrap my brain to come up with a better one, um, but I can't. I genuinely can't. I think, I think Ramel is, is the obvious one. Yeah. Um, Zelly? Um, I'll come back to Zelly because that's a difficult one and I'm going to have to do a little bit more thinking even now. Dobson, I would say, I would say Dean Keats in, in, his, in, his, um, in his playing days, really. Um, Keats was... Sort of box to box. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew you could rely on him to be a, a terrier in the tackle, but he also popped up with assists and goals at the yeah. other end. You know, and Dobson's got that exact sort of say um, skill set in his locker as well. You know, he, he drops back, protects the back four, but you'll see him up the other end creating as well. Um, so I go with that. Certainly, a difficult one. He's um, he's got bundles of talent, hasn't he? Absolutely mm. oodles of talent. Skill. I mean, the back heel on, on Saturday for for the opening goal against Coventry showed that um, pace to burn, carries the ball so well, close, close control at his feet, um, commits defenders, beats defenders. It's just in the final third, you just want him to do a little bit more. Um, you know, pick out the right cross, the right shot, the right pass. Just lets himself down a little bit um, in that respect. Um, so from from former from former players, it's very difficult to try and pick somebody out like that. Really, there was a player called Jason Brissett during the um, promotion season in ninety eight ninety nine. Zelly's a far better player with him, but mm. it's similarly similarly frustrating. Um, to the top of my head, I'll go with that. Yeah, uh, Rob Harvey asks if the ENS sports reporters and the old Walsall advertiser sports reporters had a last man standing fight, who would win and why? I'd knock him out one punch. <laughs> We've had we had this discussion a little bit on Twitter yesterday, and given that I was pretty much on my own on the Walsh Advertiser <laughs> Sports Desk, and I was the only full time, but I did have people on the gauge and helping me out. I don't want to um, mm. uh, be too much of a martyr um, or, or downgrade their um, contributions. But um, yeah, I think I'd struggle seeing as you've got about ten here. And, I'd be on my Todd. I can call on hard as nails Nathan Judah as well, his moisturiser and his dogs. Oh. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd get rid of him. <laughs> it was a Royal Rumble, I'd throw him over the top rope, but then I think I'd probably get ganged up on by the rest of you. Take Judah out first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah the easy target. Um, Chris asks, who's your favourite Joe Edwards, the Warsaw player or the Express and Star reporter? I love Joe Edwards, the Express and Star reporter. I'm very fond of Joe Edwards, the Warsaw reporter, uh, the Warsaw player, um, but... Joe Edwards, he's just so good looking, isn't he? Do you think? Which one? Joe Edwards are, are Joe Edwards. I think they're both pretty good looking guys. They are good looking guys, yeah. They are but good looking Joe, Ed- guys. Joe Edwards is a, is a bit of a looker. He's dreadful on FIFA from what I've heard, but a good, yeah, good bit of a looker. Sweet out, can I tell a very funny Joe Edwards story, as in a Walsall are, are Joe Edwards, very hey, quickly. Please do. Um, Joe Edwards, bless him. Ridiculously handsome, I know I've already said that, but I sit opposite him every day and I just think, wow, he's, he's a stunner. Um, <laughs> 21 years old, and he's with his, he's been with his girlfriend, Soph, for, I think for a fair few years now, eight, I think since he was 18. Yeah. So, as is always the case when you've got a long-term girlfriend, they nag and nag and nag, don't they, for, to get engaged and weddings and all this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she, she had the nags on, par for the course. So, he, he, he broke eventually, as, as all men do, <laughs> <laughs> and got down on one knee and popped the question. She said yes. He's 21 years old. 
He's thinking, I've got a nice long engagement here. I'm going to like take my time. We can plan this wedding, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to happen overnight. His missus enters a competition and wins the venue. So he's now getting married oh. next year. Oh, my god! In the blink of an eye, he's gone from proposing to getting married at 21, bless him. What's the venue? It's in Telford. Um, it's, it's a real fancy venue. Um, normally very expensive. Yeah, normally very expensive. So you can't just so say he can't no. turn it down. Yeah, he can't turn it down. Um, so he's gone from engaged to getting married in the blink of an eye, bless him. Oh, well. I think that's a proper, like, typical girl story, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to getting my invite in the post. Yeah, I don't think we'll be invited, but... Me neither. No. Joe Edwards might, though. The real one. The Warsaw one. one. He's... I've got... I love Joe Edwards here as well. Um, but I've got to go with the Joe Edwards, the Warsaw player. Mm. Is he a fave? Yeah. I mean, I think you probably remember when... Uh, last season, there was a period where he was basically running the show in games for Warsaw. Oh, yeah. I think you accused me of having a bit of a man crush on him. Oh, yeah, because you used to tweet about him all the time. I did, yeah, because he was yeah. literally amazing. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, I was so sad when he got injured last season. I mean, And he still won, given the fact that he missed the last three three months of the season, he still won the player of the season. Yeah, deservedly so as well. And yeah, deservedly so. Yeah. So I've got a, um, I've got a, got a plump for him mm. with um, the other Joe Edwards, a close second. Yeah. I'm not as enamoured with... Joe Edwards' looks as I think he's a fairly decent looking chap, but I wouldn't say he's a stunning looking chap. As in expression. I, I th- yeah, I think the problem is here that he obviously hasn't got a fat lot to compare to on the Express and Star Sports that desk, is true. I mean, you know, mm. the bar is set quite low. The bar is low. But mm. on another on I want because I do bang on a lot about how good looking I think Joe Edwards, Express Star Joe Edwards is. So I was banging on about this to my wife and I showed her a picture of Joe Edwards, and do you know what she said? What? Wow. Genuinely. She said, wow. Wow. So they will never meet. They will <laughs> never, ever meet. So my wife agrees with me that Joe Edwards expressing the star is devilishly good looking. I'll ask my missus what she thinks. I'm going to do the same tonight. Sweet. I will tweet my, my girlfriend's thoughts. He'd hate this, Joe, if he could hear it. Oh, He'd be yeah. so embarrassed. Yeah, he would. He's but... such a good lad. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, back to football. Craig Smith. Um, should Dino consider going back to a back three? Joe loves this, so I'm, uh, Joe loves this back three. So he, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm trying to figure out whether Joe Massey loves Joe Edwards or a back three more. I love a back three more. I love a back three. I'm obsessed with a back three. So I just think that is the way the game Gareth Southgate's been playing. A back no, it was three. before then, but I love Southgate for playing a back three. Um, that's what I'm doing on Football Manager at the minute. Back three, only one tactic. Back mm. three all the way. Um, I just think it's the way to play the game. I don't know. Like, I really like Keats's four four two and his four three three and everything he does. But for me, if I was a manager tomorrow, I'd play three at the back. Be a good way to get Jack Fitzwater into the squad, wouldn't it? And I just think with Walsall, um, at this moment in time, mm, I'll caveat that in a minute. At this moment in time, it gets their best eleven players on the pitch. I think Zelly and Josh Janelli are coming back into form. There's no doubt they they had a dip. Um, hence the reason why Zelly's been on the bench and I think when Zelly is on top form you almost have to get a system to play him because a, he's so talented in League One it's, it's ridiculous and he can he can tear teams apart in that league but I'd love to see a back three with um, Fitzwater, Martin and Guthrie I think yeah. that'd be brilliant Devlin and Leahy Leahy went on record last season I think to say he was signed as a left wing back that's how Whitney envisaged playing him, but then Whitney obviously changed to a back four. I think Leahy as a wing back with a little bit of protection behind him, Devlin the same. They're both very good going forward. Devlin is so quick um, and so direct, drives forward with the ball so well. Leahy's delivery is so good. Then you can get Connor Ronan in, into the middle. Yeah. Um, I think a midfield three of 
Ronan, Dobson and Joe Edwards when he's fit, I think that would be... I mean, you'd have Dobson and Edwards going box to box but can do both jobs, can't they? Defending and going forward. Ronan pulling the strings. Cook and Ferriero or Josh Gordon up front. I really like that, but I don't think Keats will do it. I don't think he's a back three man. You don't think so? No. What do you think? I like the thought of the three at the back and getting those all all in there. And, keep, and I think it would perhaps improve us defensively. But I'm not convinced that Nicky Devlin is a wing-back. Luke Lear, he might be. But then if you play that system with both of those, then you lose... I'm assuming then Ginelli and Ismail are both on the bench. Yeah, but they have been the last couple of weeks anyway. I think I'd rather have Ginelli and Ismail on on the wings. Yeah, I think um, I would. If, they, if they're on form, if they're on form, I'd play them both. See, Ginelli and Ismail could play wing back. And I, I genuinely think that if Ginelli was coached to do that, he's got the stamina and he has the defensive attributes. He, he chases back a lot. And he's got I, the work. I, I feel hasn't he? like he, he, it's a position he could actually play. I don't think I don't think Zelly could. I think he's more more of a, a forward player um, and, and potentially you know if, if you were going to do that three at the back you could maybe put his mail in up front with Cook um, yeah that's rather, true you know rather than Ferry or Gordon um, or you could do an Albion like 3-4-1-2 and have Zelly as a 10 behind Ferry and see it, yeah I'd, if we're going to do three at the back I'd rather do 3-4-1-2 three, one, one, than 3-5 than 3-5-2 yeah but I, as you say I think it's probably imagine Zelly Ferry a Cook and a three at the top. A three four three. Three four three, yeah. If you've got a you know, if you've got midfielders in there like Dobson and, and Edwards who are box to box, that could work. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the back three just need a um, need a bit of cover, don't they? Because you know, obviously Walsall did play three at the back with some success when Rico Henry and Jason Dimitriou were there. Yeah. And and to an extent under John Whitney with Jason McCarthy on one side and it's Laird, and Laird on the other one. You know yeah. what I mean? They the personnel fit the, the system there. I think I'm not quite sure the personnel fits the system now. I think it would be a really good plan B. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? I'd like to see that. Um, Sadler's stats, as it's all the press guys together, can you discuss some of your worst days and interviews from Whitney's or even O'Driscoll's reign? I'm genuinely interested to hear some tales. They don't have to be all bad, just things we won't have read or heard before. Do you want to go first? Or do you want to go first? Um, big fan of O'Driscoll, aren't you? Right, I don't, every time I say <laughs> this on the podcast, I don't want to talk about O'Driscoll. I'm going to call him he who shall not be named. It's going to, it's going to be the Harry Potter thing. I want, to, I want to park him, but he just won't people. Like, he just can't. It's amazing how much he comes. I said it before, not just on this podcast. It's amazing how much he is still spoken about to this day in, when, I've, when I'm at games and stuff because uh, it was just a, it was a, a, a memorable time. Um, so do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go. So I'll do, I'll do one for each. Okay. Um, the presser that stands out for me most with Whitney was after the 4-0 loss at Bradford um, in the promotion chasing season, a day that me and Michael remember remarkably well. We went up together. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. We were stuck in traffic on the way. Bradford, there's no parking. They wouldn't let us park at the ground. We were then driving around like headless chickens trying to find somewhere to park. We found a car park, it was £5. I literally had like £4.70 on me. Um, but we got away with it. I just threw just the money at the guy away. and was like, it's £5 there, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. And drove in. We did get away with that one. But then we, we didn't get into the ground until about quarter to three, did we? It was, yeah, very, very late. It was very, very late. It's the day I lost my blue tick on Twitter. 
You've, you've lost have you got a blue tech? No, I've never had a blue tech. You don't deserve a blue tech. You've got a blue tech, haven't you? I have a blue tech. Um, I work for the BBC. Though. He works for the BBC. Have you How never got a blue tech? No, I never got one. How did you lose yours? Because I went on a rant about Bradford and what an absolute dump of a player. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got, and then what actually happened was I got absolute power. I got so much abuse. Like every time I went on Twitter, I had twenty plus notifications, and it was just Bradford fans absolutely <laughs> savaging me. <laughs> And I couldn't take it anymore, so I put my, I locked my account. I just oh, thought I'm gonna. Private. I went private for 24. I thought, what does I'll go private for 24 hours, and then like they'll they won't be able to savage me basically because I was it was honestly I couldn't. It was relentless. I was getting absolutely abused. Um, you just muted them all, mate. Or was this before the mute was? It might have been before the mute, but that even that would have taken me a long time. I was getting hammered. I still get a little bit of criticism when I go back there, but it has died down a little bit. Um, so I locked my account. Um, and then if you lock your account, you lose your blue tech. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. I've, I've just never had one, so. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. So I've lost my blue tech. Um, anyway, yeah, so it was a disaster getting there. Everything was going wrong. I lost my blue tech. We lost the game 4 now, didn't we? And it was the day when you sort of realised that they weren't going to go up automatically. They still had a chance, didn't they? But you kind of felt it's going to be playoffs. Got absolutely tonked. Um, and it's weird at Bradford, like normally we do post-match by the side of the pitch where there's like a little media room. But Bradford have got a media room, but it's like, there's not like a desk where the manager sits behind where you sort of, and people will picture it. He's, you, they just come into the room mm. um, and sort of stand there. It's really, really odd. But like Whitney had lost his head, hadn't he? Um, yeah. And he came up in his socks. <laughs> Football uh, socks. He came up basically. He had other clothes on. He had other clothes on, mm-hmm. but he had no shoes. Um, he just came up in like he literally came up in a t-shirt, shorts, and socks, um, which was strange in the first instance. And then he just lost his head, didn't he? Mm. And he absolutely savaged the players. Absolutely savaged them. Basically accused them of not wanting to go up. I think is fair to say. Mm. Um, and it was just really bizarre to be in a strange room anyway with a manager losing his head in his socks. Um, it was really, really odd. Um, you must have been loving it quote-wise. Yeah. It was pretty strong stuff, wasn't it? It, it wasn't... was strong stuff, yeah. There's always, there was a lot of times when we Whitney, uh, there's a lot of stuff I didn't print, uh, generally just to try and protect him really, but I think he couldn't then. He, he had lost his head a little bit. Uh, so that's my Whitney story. I tell one O'Driscoll story. I'm not sure what game it was after. I got a feeling it was the Wigan game. When I think Walsall lost 2-1 and they were battered for 70 minutes and then Mantum scored. Um, and uh, I got, oh, it's all flooding back now. He shall not be named. But basically, um, <laughs> went to do post-match and normally the manager comes out and then the player comes out. Um, but Sam Mantum was the story really in terms of the player and he needed to get off so he came and did press first. Yeah. So he came down, and there's two rooms at Walsall, there's two media rooms, um, and it used to be that you do the radio in one room and written journalists in the other, but Sam Mannon would come down, and Dan Mull, the club secretary to me, was like, oh, do you mind speaking to the player first because he needs to get off, and can we do that? So a load of the other written media, all from Wigan, if it was Wigan, were in the other room. So I went into this room with Sam Mantham, probably you were there, um, and we started speaking to Sam Mantham. Um, and then, basically, Sean O'Driscoll came down, and he'd been asked by the club to wait, to wait until we'd finished with Sam. Um, 
But he just refused. He just refused to wait. So he went into the other room, and as Sean O'Driscoll often did, started the press conference in a very sort of... I don't know what, even know what the word is, but he would just basically say, go, um, in a way that was a bit... Abrupt. Ag- abrupt and aggressive. I don't like saying it. Um, but obviously there was no Walsall media in there because um, we were in with Sam Manton. Mm. So there was like these lads from Wigan, or wherever it was, with Sean O'Driscoll, and they didn't really have anything to ask him. They were waiting for the Wigan manager. Um, but like I can remember Dan Moll was like sort of whispering to me while I was trying to speak to Sam. He was saying, like, Sean started his, he started his press conference. He started his press conference. So in this incredibly, incredibly tense room <laughs> of which O'Driscoll was stood at the front, I think like the Wigan lads had asked him for his thoughts on the game. Um so I was like, oh, God. so like I said to Mandam, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, mate. I'm gonna have to go. Like, I've, I'm gonna have to go and speak to Sean. So I went into the into the other room where Sean was, sat down, and like started it like really apologetic. Like, I mean, I'd done nothing wrong, but I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late, Sean. Just been speaking to Sam, blah 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 blah. Like, trying to be like, be nice. And I just said to him, so can I have your thoughts on the game? And he was like, um, well, if you'd been here, you'd have known. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, but I wasn't here. Like I was just sorry. I was just in with Sam Manton. Would you mind like just summing up your thoughts on the game for me? And he was like, well, if 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 you if you were here, you'd know. And I was like, oh, okay. And then then I had nothing because it was like the, the atmosphere in the room was so tense. And I was like, I don't know you, what to you say. You can't ask here. a follow up, can you? I can't ask any question. So I can't ask any question that has been asked, and I don't know what's been asked. I'm yeah. in trouble. Um, so Bradshaw had come off with an injury. So I said, can we have an update on Tom? Um, and he said a couple of lines. Um, and that was that. And then he just stormed out. Um, and I can remember one of the lads turning around and saying to me, is he like that every week? And I was like, pretty much, yeah. And luckily, because they had asked some questions about the game, you managed to borrow their quotes. they sent me the quote, so mm. I did manage to put out a story. Um, but it was just horribly, horribly tense. Um, yeah, there's, but I've got a few stories like that I could tell. But have you got any, Michael? Bear, I, I, I'm just going to quickly jump in. I'm, I'm an, I understand that Michael's got to shoot off soon.
judgment. Um, it was a bit harsh because I genuinely been phrased think... better than cat in hell chance, <laughs> which I think proved to be my downfall. <laughs> because yeah. then the following day, when Warsaw played at home to, to Shrewsbury, it was basically the first thing that John Whitney referenced in his uh, post uh, post match radio WM interview, which was actually in the press box. Oh. We were all sat there, and he was like, "Yeah, I've read, uh, yeah, I've read, read today or yesterday. We haven't got a cat in hell's chance in the playoffs, <laughs> but." We've, uh, you know, we've shown that, you know, shown tonight that, that we have. And yeah, I could have like, if I had a shell, I'd have shrunk back into it. Uh, it was so awkward. I was it was, it was so literally the most awkward moment I've probably had in my um, journalistic career. Is it one um, of those moments where everyone knows who's written it and everyone knows the reference, but no yeah. one's willing to speak out? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And and obviously with John being the way he is, he's quite... Um, a bit of a firecracker, so to speak. So it's not one you just automatically go and try to calm down. So I just thought, I'm going to shut up here and, <laughs> and, and not say anything, basically, which, which is what I did. And then, you know, there were other people at the club that I don't think were impressed with, with what I'd written either, which, by the way, turned out to be completely on the money. Yeah, but come on. They were, um, the, they were the best team. They were the, I still stand by the second best team that year in that league. Yes, they should have gone up. They should have gone yeah, up. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that I put that as my second of five things to learn, that they still had a chance of automatic promotion. Um, I said to the, I said they've got more chance of going up automatically. Oh, than I remember you writing they, that. Yeah, than they would if they go up. And obviously, no one bothered to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> that was ignored. That was ignored. Just the bit that I put that was critical. And yeah, obviously, I did go over the top, but... You know, I am a fan as well as a reporter, and sometimes you, you know, you're liable to do these things. Um, but you know, to fair play to John, I spoke to him a couple of days later over the phone, and, and he, he he took it all in good grace. You mm. know, he, and, and he said, you know, I understand what why, you, why you've said that. You know, um, and we both agreed he could probably been phrased a little bit better, um, yeah. which is fine. Um, the but, danger but it, of five things. A, it got a reaction. I suppose. Just what you always want. Yeah. <laughs> Why um, not? Anything for O'Driscoll or? Or anyone else? It might have to be O'Driscoll. Um, difficult, really thinking about. I always remember O'Driscoll, and I've written about this one as well, where I asked. Like, there was there was one game where Rico Henry and Jason Dimitri were just like basically boss the game. Also got these two amazing wing backs, and they'd also got Liam Kinsella in, in reserve, who, who was progressing really well. And I just asked him about. Um, I just I think I said to him, oh, you've got you know these two wing backs, you've got you've got Liam um, as well, who's who's on the sidelines, and and basically giving him carte blanche to basically wax lyrical about the best bunch of wing backs in in League One, and I think his his, his response was basically just, well, I don't really think Liam Kinsella's a, a wing back, and that was it, like, literally. <laughs> there was no like saying how great Rico was, how great Jason Dimitri was, just he got very touchy about questions about Rico, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't like being asked about Rico. It was very strange interviewing Sean O'Driscoll. Very strange. Um, but it wasn't as bad as interviewing Richard Money, who, while brought while he brought a lot of success to Warsaw, and I'll be forever grateful for him bringing us back after the the Merson era. Um, he was very rude at times in press conferences. I was quite I was quite a junior reporter then, so I didn't tend to. I, I'd only start been you know covering them a little while and tended to let Steve Madeley and Paul Marston sort of ask most of the questions in the press conferences. And he would just cut people off and <laughs> refuse to answer some questions. And then he'd go into a diatribe about the fans, and yeah, it was very, yeah, very strange. So it, Richard Money and Sean O'Driscoll were, were by far the two hardest to deal with managers. Eye opening. I love that. 
<laughs> I like that question. That was a great question. That's a good question, yeah. That's a good question. Right, we're running on a little bit, so I've got we've got to do a preview and we've got to do a quiz. How long have we been going for now? We're we're, going we're, forever, we're, eh? we're almost out in twenty minutes. Oh wait. <laughs> um do you wanna do the quiz real quick? Do you wanna do a quiz? We've got time to do it quick then. Yeah, we'll have to do it very, very quick. Have you ever heard of a game called Who Dares Wins? Mm, not sure. It's very simple. So I will give you a subject, say, for example, colours or brands of drink. Of course, these are not going to be the questions I'm asking you, but then you barter between yourselves about who can answer, who can give the most answers. Okay. If you if you say you can submit seven and you only get six, then you lose a round. But if you nail all seven and the other person says, yeah, you can try and do seven, you get it right, you win the round. Simple enough, right? But they're all going to be Warsaw related. First one is transfers of players who have come in to Warsaw over the course of the 2017-18 season. So last season, how many players can you name who joined Warsaw either on loan or permanently? Oh, Joe, I'm going to let you open the bid. So we bid first, don't you we? You bid, yeah, you bid. That's last season. Last, last season. So who joined during the season? Yeah, so it could be loan. during the summer or January. Okay, I'll start with <laughs> first bid. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to go eight. Eight. Michael, can you match it? Can you beat eight? Can you go for nine? Or, or do you or do you bluff him out and say ten? <laughs> <laughs> this is really difficult. This is last season. I love um, the way I always said we're gonna be really quick here. Okay, yeah. I'll say nine. Nine? Nine? Yeah, nine plays from last season. Yeah, I don't know why I'm so saying it. I want it. to do it, but do you want to do it? Do you want to play the game? <laughs> I'm not sure. You're not sure? <laughs> Nine players who signed last season? Yeah. Oh, I could do ten. I'm going ten. There's a total of 14. I'm going ten. Ten. Yeah. Eleven. Oh, you can have eleven. Eleven. Oh, I'm disappointed I'm not playing, to be honest. Here we go. Michael Beardmore, can you name eleven players who joined Warsaw over the course of last season, either permanently or on loan? George Dobson. Correct. Luke Leahy. Correct. Nicky Devlin. Correct. Three so far. John Guthrie. Correct. That's four. Yeah, I know. It's not good that I'm <laughs> still in there, be... is it? Um, uh, you've named four of the permanent <laughs> signings. You've still got all <laughs> the Hang loanies. on, hang on. Don't give money out. I mean, he's only got four, mate. Come on, don't need to worry too much. I, I'm, I'm, I've got like three or four loans. I'm trying to think of the permanent ones as well. Uh, Tyler Roberts. Yes. Daniel Ajayi. Yes. Six. How many did we say? 11? We said 11. Oh dear. So I'm quite happy with my original 9. And I think I could still get to 9, but I think I've massively overreached myself with 11. Um, Can I give him a clue? No clue. Silly is male. Yes. 10 is that? 7. Clutching. Not clutching. When he's asking for numbers, he's clutching. Yeah, absolutely. You've only got 4 to go, actually. No, yeah. I'm just trying to think who we had up front. Oh, we were worrying now. Jack Fitzwater. Yeah. Ah, oh, he's done this. Eight. If, if you get to nine, I'm, def I'm definitely not giving you a clue if you get to nine. Not giving him any clues anyway. I might give him one. No clue. On eight. You're on eight. You've got to get three more, mate. We spoke about one earlier in this podcast. Whoa, hang on. <laughs> we have? We're in a difficult situation here because my Walsh knowledge is far superior to it, and we don't want him to look like the clever one. Also, we've got time constraints to worry about. We have about. got time constraints. I'm gonna, I'm gonna concede. No, you can't concede. Keep going, keep going. You can't, oh. you can't concede because of the time. Oh, okay. Well, I might time you out. 
Okay, then we can. Should we give him? You got five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty big time. <laughs> to get one answer. Four. No, three. come on, mate. Josh Ginelli? What was that the season before? No. Uh, no, you're answer. out. You're out. Yeah, you missed out on. She could have had Mark Gillespie. Yeah, he was the last permanent signing. Could have had Justin Shibu. Yes, you could have. Could have had Kevin and Goy. And Julian and Goy. Could have had Kevin Toner. He's not on my list. No, that was the season before. Season before. Was it? Yeah. Big blow for Joe Massa. (laughs) Do you know who you missed on? Christian Bilek. Told you we mentioned him before. Sean Donnellan and James Wilson. James, uh, Sean Donnellan was like the toner of the year, wasn't he? Oh, so many lone players. That's why the season went like it went. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Second round. So I win that, yeah? You win. You you, you've got one point. Yeah. Goal scorers this season. How many are there? Nine. Oh. So I can bid first. You can bid first. Seven. Seven. Oh, that's a strong bid. Yeah, I'll go eight. Eight? Can Michael Bidnall name all nine goal scorers this season, or is Joe Massey bluffing? How many more quizzes? How many more questions are there after this one? One more. It's a decider. It's a decider. Yeah. Mm. Go on then. You name eight. I can name play. Eight. Yeah. Okay, so players that have scored this season are Nicky Devlin. Yes, one. Luke Leahy. Yes, one. Um, Jack Fitzwater scored in the checker trade. Indeed. Oh, did he? He did, yeah. Oh, well, my, my list is wrong, but I'll give it you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scored a wonder goal in the checker trade. Okay. He did, I was there. Um, Josh Janelli has scored this season. Yeah, three. Zeli Ismail has scored this season. Four. Kieran Morris has scored this season. Yeah, he's got three. One, two, three, four, five, um, six. Andy Cook has scored this season. Seven. Morgan Ferrier has scored this season. Eight. Josh Gordon scored this season. Yeah. So I've done it. Well done, Josh. Can you name the other one on my list? Um, got two goals this season. Got two goals this season? I can't think who it is. Yeah. Um, I know. Five, four, three, two, Mascuya? one. Mascuya? Isaiah Osborne? Yes. Ah. Osborne. Do you want to play the last one real quick? We will. Yeah, quick, yeah. All right. Teams who finished above Warsaw last season. 18 of them. <laughs> Who can name them teams? Your turn to bid first. I'll go ten. Ten. I'll go... Imagine if he just rattles out 18. just says 18. I'll go 13. 13. 13 teams that finished above Warsaw last season. Joe Massey. Are you bidding? And they finished 18, Warsaw did. They finished 19. 19. I'm going to let you play. 13 teams. Wigan. Yes. Blackburn. Yes. Charlton. Yes. Fleetwood. Yes. Portsmouth. Yes. Peterborough. Yes. Okay. This is where we get Emily in there? Six. You've got six. Okay. He's got 13 to get. Yeah, so you need seven more. Doncaster. Yes. Oh. That's a debatable one, surely. Gillingham. Yes, even more debatable, that. That was the, what, they 18th, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you haven't got 18th yet. That's why I'd be worried, because I'd say <laughs> someone like that. Mm, how many is that? One, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight. And how many did I say I was going to get? Thirteen. Five more we need. Oxford. Yes. Plymouth. Yeah. Yeah. Scunthorpe. Yeah. Shrewsbury. Yeah. yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We need oh. one more. Ah, no. This is if you don't get this, it's a clean sweep. Three nil, I've won. This will be a great concede from me if he gets this wrong. Oh yeah. Worrying. I don't. Oh, why can't I think of anybody else? Oh, this is worrying. Could Joe Massey win 3 0? Oh, hang on, have I, have I not said safe end? South end. Well done. You missed Rotherham, Bradford, Blackpool, Bristol Rovers, and AFC Wimbledon, but you win the point anyway. But a bit of a dead rubber because Joe Massey had already won it. Restored some pride. He restored yes. some pride. Like Andy Cook's late goal against Burton. Right, so, it's 5 to 2. Let's get this wrapped up by 2 o'clock. Right, let's quickly talk about Fleetwood, shall we? Um, time to get back to winning ways? Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. We can Crack see. on. Yeah. Be a tough opposition, don't you think? Yeah, it'd be a tough game. Um, I mean, touching it earlier, I think they've got some really good players, Ash Hunter, but I do think we're still going to go there and get a result. Um, I think. Do I have to do predictions now? Is that another segment? No, no, the prediction, yeah. We can give a, we can give a prediction. I did have other questions to ask, but. Uh, we can give a prediction if you want. I mean, we've got five minutes. Well, you can ask my quick questions. I'm going to go 1 1. 1 1? I'm going to agree, yeah, 1-1. One, one. think they have to get something there, really, given that they've got the Sunderland and Portsmouth after that. I think it's important. I think Keats will have them rallied up for it. And after the last couple of performances in the um, in, in, in the Cups, um, you know, they, they seem to be getting back mm. to where they were. So, um, hopefully, the fact that it's live on Sky as well will probably you know, give them a little bit of an extra boost as well. I think it always does with players. Want to show off a bit more, don't they? So, um, you know... I'm not bothered about the game really, I'm bothered about afterwards. Me and Joe are going up to Preston for a little bit, aren't we, Joe? Lads, lads, lads. We oh, both, really? We yeah. both, um, <clears throat> we both uh, graduated from the University of Central Lancashire. Obviously. That was my second option, you know, when I went to uni. Obviously, he was there uh, years before me. Yeah, I was there, age. Like, two or three years before Joe. Five years. Five years, alright, five years. So, uh, we're going to go have a. Uh, because it's an early kickoff, we're going to go and have a look at it, how much uh, Preston has changed or not. It probably has changed a lot, really, as soon as it's been. Having a little walk down two, memory lane. Nearly two mm. decades. It's going to be lovely. Fun fact about Preston, I had my best ever press food from Preston North End Football Club. Oh, pizza. You, you went to a game, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went to a game. <laughs> was it pizza? It was a pie. Oh. It was a, it was like a leek and a cucumber pie. It had chicken and potatoes in it as well. Absolutely stunning from Preston North End. I went there dreading it. So like, oh, it's as long as I'll drive this for West Brom Preston. Got there, the food was absolutely stunning. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been to a couple of other places. I went to Newcastle when West Brom the Premier League. I was expecting big things, and nothing compares to that part. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Preston, my overriding memory of Preston is not only does Keith Harrison support Preston, but great pies too. Everyone, right, everyone loves Preston. Yeah, looking forward to uh, to seeing it again. The club journalist at Warsaw, Daniel Briggs, also he went to that. UK. Also a, a, a graduate. Who would have ever thought that? That university would produce, produce three Warsaw hacks. Uh, three, three great Warsaw hacks. Three great Warsaw hacks. Well, three superb Warsaw hacks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but I think that's about, that about wraps it up, unless you've got anything else to add, guys. I think we've been very, very thoughtful here to Warsaw fans, because it's gone on half an hour longer than it should, hasn't it, this podcast? Yeah. But Fleetwood is a very long trip, so we've just kept them... 
That's it. Giving them another half an hour for that journey. Yeah, and people say they wanted it longer. People have come up to me and said they want it a bit longer, so we've delivered for Fleetwood away. I think I think that's a nice thing to do. Yeah, I think so. Would right. You? Only thing left to say is thank you to Joe. Massive thank you to you, Michael. Thank no, you, Michael. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's only took him seven podcasts to invite me, so... Uh... You know Paul Marsden. I know I'm not. But you did okay. <laughs> well, I, I, for, I for one found it enlightening, so we'd love to have you back on, Michael. I bet Paul Marston loves it now because they're finally being brought in the big striker that he wanted. I know, oh, mate, he's so happy. He's been uh, that target man for 30 years. <laughs> right, but no, that, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Best Got Beat. Make sure you're tuning in and good luck to Walsall. But guys, for now, make sure you catch us in two weeks' time.